Welcome to the Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on the Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? So I had the opportunity to do this amazing thing. I was the keynote speaker for the County of San Diego. So check this out, y'all. The County of San Diego here in California They have a leadership academy, a seven-week-long leadership academy for any leader who has been in a position of leadership for five years or less. They can apply to be in this leadership academy, and sometimes people who've been in leadership for a little longer than that. There was one person who'd been with the county for 23 years, so I have a hunch she had been in leadership for more than five years. And part of what was so fun, they had 41 different departments that were represented in this training, and I got to kick it off last Friday for them. And part of what I was talking about is that when we think of leadership, when we think of management, when we think of, you know, sort of these ideas, we often think about ourselves relative to other people. And part of what I was talking about is that in my experience, it all actually begins with ourself. It begins with getting aware of ourselves and what we're up to and what we want to create. And so that whole domain of self-awareness is something that I've really been paying attention to and thinking about. And it really connects with me with our guest for today. So Melinda Whitstock, I am so excited that she is here with us. She is a five-time serial entrepreneur. And what she's up to right now is she is revolutionizing podcasting and really turning it into a socially interactive, personalized, and profitable enterprise for podcasters. And Melinda has lived the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. She's grown multiple businesses across media and technology, and she is a passionate champion of conscious leadership and social impact businesses. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Oh, Janine, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Oh, you're so welcome. So I'm so excited that you're here with us, and I'm so excited to talk more about Podopolo. Did I get that right? You did. Yes, there's all (laughs) kinds of debate about how to say it. Someone actually asked me if it was my surname, if I was Greek. (laughs) 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 It was tricky to figure out what the name should be. We were trying to figure out all the other 
parts of the pod were taken or parts of the cast. And this is a community. So we were thinking about the Greek polis, but also what kind of connotes fun because the platform is increasingly gamified as well. So we played around with Podopoly, like Monopoly, except we're not a monopoly. We're, we're anything but that. We're so <laughs> an anti-monopoly. <laughs> exactly. So settled on Podopolo. And it kind of rolls off the tongue once you get it, but people can say it however they like. I don't care. So tell me a little more about, you know, as you know, the show is called The Cost of Not Paying Attention. So what were we not paying attention to, either in the world or in the world of podcasting, that really had you called to create Podopolo? Oh, gosh, what an amazing question. It might take me the whole podcast to unpack that one because there are so many. I mean, I, I think what came first to my mind, because I'm very intuitive, is what individuals don't pay attention to and what I see entrepreneurs not pay attention to and what I have learned to pay more and more and more attention to is all the subconscious drivers that drive us. And we're not aware of it because it's subconscious. Because it's in our subconscious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Drives 80% of our actions. And in being an entrepreneur or in creating a successful podcast, chances are you have a team, you have a message to get across, you have all these things you need to do. And I've found to succeed, you have to pay attention into unearthing and releasing those subconscious stories. Because they're stories that we've invented about ourselves, probably when we were young children, without a frontal lobe, you know, and they've driven us all our lives, which is why I joke often on my own podcast, that if you want therapy, just become an entrepreneur because it will challenge you in all aspects of your being. But specifically about Podopolo, I was frustrated about a couple of things. One, I thought the listener experience on most podcast apps was really poor because the algorithms worked that the same podcasts were showing up all the time. So it's very, very difficult to discover. To discover something new. Yeah. And discover great podcasts around what interests you and what interests your friends. I also was frustrated as a consumer where I would listen to a podcast and I would really want to share some sort of epiphany or, or whatever that I'd learned or even a joke or just something. And it's impossible, it has been, to really share that like episode easily with a friend or to be able to isolate the soundbite and share that, much less have a conversation about it. So I thought, you know, from the listener and viewer perspective, podcasting was ripe for transformation just to improve that listener experience, make it interactive, make it personalized, make it, you know, more meaningful and allow people a mechanism to take what they're learning from a podcast and put it into action in their lives for a transformational outcome, whatever that is. Even if it's a transformation as you fall asleep, <laughs> transformation is, is you laugh and you have a belly laugh, or the transformation is you learn a skill that changes your life. I mean, it could be anything, right? Or you make a, a social impact. And in the meantime, I thought podcasters also were not being served very well. And what no one was paying attention to was the fact that 85% of podcasters don't make any money. And this is crazy, Janine, because podcasting is the fastest growing medium of all time. And yet podcasters with all their amazing content, what you do with this podcast, what I do with mine, what 5 million other people do with their podcasts is making a lot of other platforms really, really wealthy, but they're not getting a share of that. And, and that, you know, on a level sort of offended me. I wanted to change that. And when I launched my own podcast, 
even with all my business expertise, even with all my technological acumen, even though I was an award-winning content producer and host, even though I had all these marketing chops, it was still hard to grow my reach, grow my engagement, or monetize my podcast. So I perceived that really as a structural problem that I wanted to change to really allow creators to be able to eat more easily, grow their reach, really engage easily in a time-saving way because most podcasters are in overwhelm. There's so much to do. So how can we save them time? How can we make it easy? And also to grow their revenue. And so the very same thing that allows us now to place advertising, say, for instance, on a podcast that traditionally would not qualify for advertising because they don't have the 10,000 downloads an episode, you know, that's only like 1.5% of the market, right? So we're changing that with the artificial intelligence that underpins both the recommendation engine, but also allows us to understand who's listening. So that means we can deliver a much more targeted audience, you know, for an advertiser. An advertiser knows that even if that podcast only has, say, 1,000 people rather than 10,000, if 90% of those people are qualified for the offer, it's going to be a higher conversion rate than say the one to 2% they'd expect on a 10,000 offer. So this is where structurally we change the game. And there are many other ways that podcasters can earn money as well through our ambassador program, through subscriptions and much more beside. So really, I think like with all entrepreneurs, we create businesses where we see a gap. We see that someone's not paying attention to something, right? And through the gift of our own experience or our personal mission or lived experience, whatever it is, see that gap and say, oh, no one's doing it. I guess it's me. (laughs) (laughs) I was just having a conversation with somebody today who's one of the leaders in Southern California around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And I am in the process of creating an organization for practitioners who do that work. And she and I were talking about, you know, I see this gap. She sees this gap too. I think everybody who does this work sees this gap where we don't have an opportunity to come together. We don't have an opportunity to share resources. We don't have an opportunity to say, hey, I tried this and it was awesome, or I tried this and it blew, don't don't do that. And a place where people who need practitioners who do all this work can come for people who've already been vetted. And so I'm creating that. And it's both a gift and a challenge to be a human who sees gaps and then feels called to fill them, you know, because I already have a, I already have a full-time job running my company. And so like, yeah, why not? Let's start another one. I got nothing going on. And I feel like now that I see this as clearly as I do, I can't not do something about it. And so I want to talk a little bit more in a little bit about the revenue opportunities, because of course, as a podcaster, yes, it would be lovely to create revenue. I want to know a little bit more about how the platform works. And I'm also really curious, like people will say to me, so tell me about your average listener. And the honest answer is, no, no shit about (laughs) my average listener. I have no idea. I know how many people are, are downloading the podcast. I know where, in what country they live, and I'm done. That's all I can tell you about my average listener. and. I would love, I have said before, I'm saying again now, y'all, I would love to be connected more with my listeners. And there's not a super easy way to do that. Until now. That's that's part of what I'm excited about with Podopolo is that that's, you know, we're all 
craving in so many different ways. And I think COVID has just exacerbated it. We're all craving community. We're all craving partnership. We're all craving places where we feel like we belong. And that's really, that's part of what's so intriguing to me about what you're creating with Podopolo. So tell me about how that part of it works. Oh, a hundred percent. And it, it's such a good point because we don't really know who our audience is. And, and you could say that a lot of the platforms do, like Spotify probably does. Right, they probably do. Yeah. They probably know all kinds of things about y'all out there. But yeah, Facebook, everybody, but their business model is to take all that data and keep it to themselves and monetize your content and you don't get a share of it, uh, right? And you don't get access to that data at all. So Podopolo is very disruptive in that sense of turning the tables and saying, well, look, it's your audience. We want you to know who's listening. We want to be able to allow you to engage. We want to provide you with actionable insights around what to do with what you know about who's listening, how they're listening, et cetera. So for instance, in a lot of the analytics, and there's there's AI that's getting increasingly sophisticated, the more Podopolo grows, obviously the smarter the AI, really starting out as unsupervised machine learning, but into the realm more and more of AI. To actually understand what do we know about people? First of all, when they first download Podopolo, we ask them what their interests are. And so if you say, well, I'm really interested in marketing and I'm really interested in, I don't know, fly fishing and yoga, where our recommendation engine is going to go to work and start recommending those podcasts for you. Now, what our data shows and behind the app is that's really interesting is that most people within about 10 days or so start listening outside of the interests that they've declared as their interests. Because we've architected the recommendation engine algorithm such that we don't want people to fall into filter bubbles. This is the problem with our social media today. We really want people to discover new things. And that's one of the reasons it being socially interactive, you see what your friends are listening to, or we just present you with, oh, hey, this is good. Our recommendation engine is also assessing the podcast for, for kind of quality, right? In a lot of ways, some quantitative, some qualitative in our kind of secret sauce. But suffice to say, the app is understanding not only what you say about yourself, but what you actually do. And then based on your friend relationships, and then increasingly, we start to know a little bit more about demographics, psychographics, location, that kind of thing. Now, unlike Facebook or all the social networks, we take privacy very seriously. So it's, a, it's an interesting challenge to walk this because we want to know as much about people as possible to deliver a personalized experience on one hand, but at the same time, we don't want to exploit that. So we don't sell the data. We don't track anyone across the web. We don't do any of those things. And we share it in a format with podcasters so they can see, for instance, like here's a, a great application of this. How are people listening? Do people drop off on average? If you have 82% of your listening audience drops off at 13 minutes into your podcast, well, what are you doing at 13 minutes that you might want to change? Or maybe your podcast should be 13 minutes. Right. right? Like that. <laughs> right. You'll see, for instance, your top kind of avatar. So we group it around, you know, different kind of avatar personnel because we're not sharing first party data. You can start to see kind of, you know, who your people are because they're engaging with you, for instance, right? And increasingly you do get to know them in that sense. But you can also see the overlap audiences you share with other podcasts. So for instance, you know, it the data may show that we have a really good overlap audience, but our two pod like like just demographically, psychographically by interest, but 
your folks haven't heard of me and my folks haven't heard of you. And if we went on each other's podcast, we would lift each other up. So it gets into overlap audiences, gets into a whole bunch of things. And the difference about our data, because honestly, everyone says they want data, but nobody really wants to play around in a spreadsheet or with data, right? They don't. So we take that and we give recommendations. So, so we try and you know make it as actionable as possible. So it's having a real meaningful impact. I love that. And you know, obviously, I love the idea of, you know, your people don't know about me, my people don't know about you. So we'll do some cross stuff and lift lift everybody up. You know, that concept obviously resonates with me and what I'm about. And I was just having a conversation earlier today with one of my team, and he was encouraging me in thinking about booking guests. I am privileged to be in a position now where I have people coming to me and saying, I would like to be a guest on your podcast. And mostly what I'm looking for is, do I like you? Do I feel like we're going to have a good, interesting conversation that will be great for our listeners? And there'll be something there that our listeners will learn. And instead, he was encouraging me to think about topics. Or I think about like, oh my God, I just met Melinda and I love her and we got to get her on the show. And I had never thought about that. I had never thought about like, what are the things that I want to make sure people are starting to pay attention to, obviously through the people that I know and through the people that I've curated and developed relationships with, I get to do some of that. And I've not been, it's not been intentional. I've not been thinking okay, I want to make sure that I have somebody who can talk about X, who's a leader in X, and then bring them onto the show. I'd never thought about flipping that. And I love part of what what it sounds like Podopolo can also help create is, is that kind of synergy. You know, I would love to have somebody who is an expert in whatever, you know, neurobiology, which I love. I am a neurobiology geek which cracks me up because I hated science (laughs) in school. I hated it. Yeah. That's like, I geek out of theoretical physics, but like physics class was like a nightmare for me. So yes, exactly. It's exactly what it's all in the teaching, I think. So is that one of the things that Podopolo can also do is help podcasters find, like, I would love to talk to somebody who knows about neuroscience. Right. A hundred percent. And I think over time, it's going to get more sophisticated at being able to do that. I mean, honestly, Jeanine, there are so many different applications for the AI that we have. I mean, because it's it's powering this recommendation engine. It's powering the insights for podcasters. It's powering the advertising kind of targeting, but it's also increasingly going to be powering the kind of social conversations and, and how those how those thread and, and like, I mean, the app has so much innovation still to come uh, in our roadmap. And the same thing that would allow us to connect the right advertiser to the right audience, for instance, would allow us to connect the right guest to the right podcast and vice versa. So actually, it's funny you say, because we were approached by a couple of PR agencies that said, you know, we're always trying to find the right guests for our host, or we're always trying to get this person on the right podcast. Could you do that? And it's like, yes. And it's in our roadmap. It's coming because it's a good idea. Yeah. And that's great. And I've I am forever being approached by people who's like, um, yeah, no, I appreciate your interest. Yeah. The the qualification is, is important. I think the other thing that's really interesting about this though, too, is the social dynamic. I mean, I was a big fan of social media when it first launched. In fact, I was one of the first 100 users of Twitter 
I was a big proponent of social media, but I also understood pretty early on the dangers of the filter bubble before anybody really had clocked that because the way the algorithms were structured was inevitably going to lead where it has. And so the other part of Podopolo is how can we use podcasting, which is inherently a very intimate and authentic medium and in-depth to really elevate the social discourse, empower people, really connect people in a more meaningful and positive way. And so there's all kinds of ways in which you know, a podcaster, for instance, can get all their listeners together for like a listening party after the podcast or galvanize listeners to like, hey, I've got, I'm interviewing so-and-so. What's your question for so-and-so? I'll put you on the air. You know, all these sorts of things. So it's going to become more and more and more interactive. And we were really excited during uh, the Bottle Rock Music Festival Memorial Day because we actually put podcasters on stage interviewing the artists, many of the artists performing at Bottle Rock, this huge concert uh, festival in Napa. And our app allows for live interactive video streaming. And so we're going to be doing a lot more of that to take the connection to not just on the app itself in a virtual world, but beyond that to a physical one as well. And so there's so much to do. It's kind of one of these things when you get two women talking to each other, you know, and especially if they're both entrepreneurs, it's like the work's never done. There's more to do, there's more to do, more to do. But I'm just very excited about this business model too, because it, it really is one that comes from the heart in the sense of how can we create something where everybody wins, where everybody's better off as a result of us. And there's so many zero-sum game business models that are just me, 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 or everybody else can crash and burn. And this is not that. So it, it is very much, I think, the way business will evolve and is and must just for the sake of people's health, the planet and much more. So, yeah, you know, and, and I have the privilege and opportunity to talk to a lot of organizations about what's happening in the world of work and what really their employees need and want and what's going to keep them around and have them thrive. My mission is to create the world of work in which everyone can thrive. That's what I'm up to. And so part of what is so cool about this concept is that it is getting away from that zero-sum game. That, you know, in two and a half years, the millennials and the Gen Zs coming after them will be 75% of our workforce. Yes, and it's a much smaller workforce than before as well, because they're not as big as the boomer generation. That's right. And, you know, the concept of collaboration and we're all in this together and it's not me versus you, it's us and we, you know, those kinds of messaging internally, externally, and the living out of those messages that's a key thing that is important to these younger generations. And, you know, they're not interested in working for dog eat dog companies. And I can, you know, immediately think of a number of them that are organized that way, intentionally so, by their male leadership. And it's going to be interesting to see how some of those companies evolve over time because, you know, folks are less and less interested in that. And so that you've created this business model that is intentionally a collective, a, you know, rising tide. Yeah, it's true. Boats. Yes, that's true in the, in the business model in terms of who we serve. And it's a really interesting question because 
especially in a startup and one that's taking investment capital, I mean, you got to hit your numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like you need to work with people who are going to be conscientious, are going to be results and outcomes driven. And so how do you foster that and that sense of responsibility and pull up by bootstraps kind of in your team while at the same time, be very inclusive, be very like it's us and and whatnot. So there can be a tension there. There's no question. And I know that you have created this business during COVID, right? Yes. Yeah. And and everyone (laughs) is virtual, correct? Everybody's virtual because we had, there was no other way to do it. So like originally had the idea for it in back of envelope kind of style back in 2019, but didn't really start kind of executing on it until the pandemic. And so the only way that we could really, you know, hire anybody and it was to hire people to work from their homes. And so if they're in their homes already anyway, and the whole world is locked down, they don't have to be in the same city. And it's a startup. So why spend money on uh, an office? An office, right. Right. Where it doesn't really matter where anybody is now. But the, the tricky thing is you've got to make sure that the people you hire are so jazzed by the mission, so excited by the work that they're going to be self-regulating and they don't need a lot of supervision. Like they don't need to be checked in on all the time. And in a young company, it's pretty hard to hide. Like if you're not doing the work, it becomes pretty obvious. And it becomes pretty obvious too, especially if your whole mantra as it is with us is recall what Steve Jobs said about hiring A players. And the A player he defined as somebody who is really at the top of their game they, in terms in character, they strive for excellence in all they do, right? Like they really want to always improve. They want to innovate. They're resilient to, they don't mind failing as they're constantly learning. And another characteristic of an A player is they only really want to work with other A players and they don't get jealous of someone else's success. They're like, oh, this person did that. That's great. That's awesome. Right. Okay. So that's an A player. So A players only want to work with A player. So if you introduce a B player into that, the B player is probably going to be a little more insecure, probably not, you know, the B player is going to hire a C player and a C player is going to hire a D player. If the A players are knocking it out of the park, working incredibly hard, and there's someone on the team that's not carrying their weight, those A players get frustrated and they want to leave because they feel let down and shortchanged. So it's a real, um, and it's very top of mind for me right now as the company goes into its next phase with our financing, where by the end of the year, we could have like 80 people. And when you're hiring at that pace, and what are all the systems that you have in place? Because it gets easier and easier to hide if you're not... (laughs) Right. The bigger and bigger you are, the easier it is. to hide. Yeah. And what are the inf- information flows to me? I don't want to be micromanaged. It's impossible to scale a business if you're the kind of founder that has to be in everything. So it's like making sure you're setting the mission and, and then setting the ways in which everybody's clear on what the mission and the vision and what the, what the results are, where we want to go, that failure is okay, as long as it's not repeated, that it's learned from, that everybody's very clear on how decisions are made and that there's an accountability. So these sorts of systems are all very top of mind for me now. And of course, in the early stages of startup, it's kind of like, who will work with me? I mean, like anybody, anybody? Do you like this idea? Like, you know, so. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? And it it kind of starts to change over time. But with the pandemic, I mean, it was great because it meant that we could have an international workforce and Podopolo itself has podcasts in every language. And technically it's a global company. So why not start with a global team? So we have, you know, some of our back-end engineers are in Nigeria, also in Kosovo, and uh, some of our design talents in Brazil. And then we have a team all across the United States. That's awesome. I love that. And I, I love, obviously, the intentionality that you've had to bring to the company as you started it and as you continue to grow it. What are you concerned about in this <laughs> next phase? I mean, how long do you right? have? <laughs> okay. Over the next 75 hours, let's explore yeah. what are all your fears and concerns. Oh my goodness. Well, it always comes down to the people really, right? Because with the right team and the right management and the right, all that, like you wildly increase your chances of success. The thing that fe- fe- I, that I fear the most is the unknown unknowns, the things that I, the things that I don't even know to know to be, fr- I mean, right? Honestly, like the longer you're an entrepreneur, the more you realize it's kind of the stuff that's going to come out of left field and how are you going to deal with it? So that confidence comes, it has to come from deep kind of within you. you have to be humble and not afraid to look stupid sometimes. Just always be asking for advice, for mentorship, knowing who to ask, always building and deepening your networks and all that. So when those things happen, you have the kind of expertise or someone to call because there's going to be all kinds of stuff that's like just out of your control. And and there has been like in every company that I've ever done, like it's just, it's almost like clockwork to the point where you can set your watch (laughs) by the fact, right? But the things that always I think about most are, okay, the people, making sure that we have the right people, making sure we have the right people in the right place, the right systems, they have the resources they need, they know where they're going, you know, all of that. The decisions are being made well and starting really to move into that more, you know, operational, you know, phase. The other thing, though, for a company like ours, really, and the biggest thing is, you know, we're just about to use the use of proceeds for the round that we're closing, like any day now, so look at my watch, we're really on our marketing. And we have a very sophisticated marketing strategy, but of course, it's all hypothesis until it's not. So the only thing you can really do is go for it and watch the numbers, see what's working, what's not working, be willing to abandon things quickly if they're not working, like knowing when to pivot, when to stay the course. And I like an entrepreneurship to sailing in a way. I grew up as my dad was a competitive sailor. So I spent a lot of time on a boat as a kid. And I learned very early on that it's impossible to sail in a straight line because the winds are changing, the currents are changing, everything is changing. You can get to your destination, like you ultimately get there, but it's it's a zigzag. Attack back and forth. A hundred percent. So I think really at top of mind is just making sure that we're getting our, our marketing is really working. It's converting really well, that our message is clear, that we're getting to the right people because the product is so diversified and the offer I think is really compelling, but it's like telling the story in a, at a time when I guess you can say people are so overwhelmed with information, you know, so cutting through all that. Cutting through, right. Right. And with an app like Podopolo, our success requires people to change their behavior. And so if folks are listening and they're like, okay, so this sounds cool. I would love the opportunity to connect more with Janine and connect more with her community. How do we start making that happen? Yeah. So a bunch of different ways. And so our our market, you're going to see a lot of us across, you know, advertising on podcasts and whatnot, but also with Janine, we're going to incentivize you to invite your listeners to Podopolo because we have an ambassador program that we're about to launch where podcasters get paid for every listener they bring in. I mean, 
here's the choice. Here's what we could do. We could spend many tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook and you know what would be our cost of user acquisition. Why, instead of making Facebook rich, why not just pay the podcasters directly? <laughs> so, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes resources to create exactly. these podcasts. Yeah, so. Exactly. So, so you'll start to see a whole bunch of those kind of initiatives, but, and also really focused on the gamification, on the, on the reward, on the incentive. Things like working with podcasters to provide a lot of advice and content as they get used to using the app and inviting their folks in. So they're getting real value from us, you know, things like that. And then, you know, from a more top down, we're going to be doing, I can't quite talk about it yet because the contract is almost signed, but we're doing a major initiative, putting podcasters on stage during major music festivals. And so that's more of a kind of a top down marketing as well as bottom up. And we have like a zillion people to hire. So like, you know, you think of how your job changes as the founder and CEO, where in the early days, it was all product all the time. And then it started to shift to, okay, so what's our go-to-market? How are we going to do that? Getting all that stuff ready to go. And then it's, and obviously fund, always, always fundraising. (laughs) fundraising. And, but now it really like the hiring and the systems. And, And one of the things that I've had to look very deeply within myself, how can I double down on my strengths, the things that I am uniquely able to do and where are the gaps? Where am I, you know, good, okay, but not truly great. And one of the positions that I really need to hire is a chief of staff or an operational ninja really around, you know, all the hiring, the communication, the decision-making, all of that. So like building out that operational team, as well as, you know, the marketing and sales side of the company. So if folks are out there and they want to get on the app, all they need to do is download Podopolo. Yeah, it's free, easy, awesome. And if folks are out there and they think, ooh, I would love to go to work for this company, or I would love to invest in this company, how can they get in touch with you? Easiest way for me is email, just melinda at podopolo.com uh, for any of those things to do with hiring or investment, melinda at podopolo.com. And then any, I'm sort of ubiquitous on social media. So you can, you know, Instagram at podopolo or my Instagram is Melinda Whitstock 2020 very kind of pandemic. I don't know why I think I think 2020 because of 2020 vision and then 2020 ended up being like 2020. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but you know, LinkedIn, you know, all, all the, yeah, I, I'm easy to find. And also, you know, through podoplo.com itself. And also, you know, when you come on the app, just follow me, DM me on Podopolo. I mean, Podopolo has a DM feature, you know, so. That's awesome. So somebody could just pick up Download the right app, now follow me, DM me there. Follow you, DM you there and connect directly. Awesome. I love it. So as we think about wrapping up for today, is there anything where you've been thinking like, oh, I hope she asks me about this. Or if I had like if I had a megaphone and I could talk to everybody out there, obviously you kind of do because you have your own podcast and you have Podopolo. But is there something, and is there something that you would love for us to have a note on which to end our listeners for today? Well, I just really want to say that my whole reason for being an entrepreneur is to improve lives, to empower people, you know, whether they're listeners, to learn something from a podcast, whether they're podcasters, being able to really reach the people and, and have the transformational outcomes, 
through their message that they want and make money doing so. But I get very happy when I see transformational growth. And so much of that is, you know, really what spurs me on. And I would like, you know, to any uh, young woman in particular, but any, any woman in entrepreneurship or any man for that matter, we can end the conversation where we began it, really work on the internal. And it's, that's the thing that manifests the external. And it's been a lifelong journey for me to really look through all my practices with all of it. And it's ongoing. Like you don't arrive at a destination there. Kind of sucks, but you really don't. It kind it of is, sucks, but, it, it is a but it's also kind of great. But it's also too. joyous. Right. Exactly. And so just say, you know, like, you know, the more you become at peace with the fact that you're on this journey and it's not a destination and there's going to be all kinds of rule, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I say this to others in a way, like I'm saying it to myself too, because it's a, it's a constant thing. And I, you know, on my own podcast, which is about female entrepreneurship, we talk about this all the time. So, but anyway, I would just say that, but I love this interview, Janine. You ask great questions. It's a really great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, it has truly been my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much, Melinda, for being with us today and sharing of your wisdom and your spark and what it is that you're up to in the world. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. I'm beginning.